you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. anything on us he gives us direction and he speaks to us gives us directors in our lives and uh, but God never comes and forces any of us to serve him to do his will to keep his commandments he challenges us to he asks us to, but he leaves it completely up to us. And uh, a lot of people, a lot of people think that there's times that God, uh, God is choosing specific things, specific ways. Um, um, there's a lot of misunderstandings uh, related to the will of God and how that God positions us. Uh, for use in his service. Now, I'm not certain that I find in Scripture where God forces position upon any one of us. Um, when God chooses to use us, um, a lot of our usability is dependent upon our response to what God is saying and what God is doing and the things that God has put in our life to help us and to give direction to us. Um, the scripture is full of, uh, of scripture that gives us some insight into um, into this whole idea. Proverbs chapter 3, uh, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God. Uh, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thine own understanding. So the scripture is full. So watch, watch this, Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thine own understanding. In all of your ways, in all of your ways, Somebody talk back to me now. Acknowledge in all of your ways. In, in every decision you make, in everything that you do, in all of your actions, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your path.
He directs our path. He gives us, thy word, O Lord, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So the scripture is full of this, these ideas uh, of uh, how that God works through multiple means to, to give direction to us. He, he gives direction to position us, but he does not force our position uh, upon us. Let, let, me, let, me, let me help you with this a little bit. I'm trying to think of how to, to get this initial thought off the ground tonight. When uh, I have a, we, we have some trailers here. The last couple days we've been working around here some. And um, my, my truck, when I start to back up to a trailer, I like to have somebody with me because I'm not, I'm not real good at the aim of just looking in my mirror and backing up and being right in the center to hook up to uh, the, the ball hitch. And so usually I've got somebody out behind me and they are directing me as I come back. Um, how many of you have ever backed under a trailer like that to hook up to a trailer? So you, you, I'm trying to, trying, to, trying to give a little, little thought process here. So I'm watching in my mirror and I'm paying attention and I have a director that is there and he's giving signals to me. And they're giving signals and telling me, uh, you know, come, come back. You know, I, we, we kind of this common language, you know, come back about that far, Brother Vic. And it's kind of, you know, you're getting closer, getting closer. you got to go this way, you got to go that way. And you're looking through the mirror and trying to figure out, you know, transpose it through the mirror, which way you're supposed to go. And you're, you're backing up until you get there and got it just right. Now, sometimes... Um, if we're not careful, uh, we'll, we'll do it on our own. Now, my the truck I have now doesn't have the, the backup camera. Uh, my older truck had a backup camera. And so I could put it, put, when I put the vehicle in reverse, the camera came on. Some of you have them in your vehicles. And I could see there's a camera. And so I could see, and I didn't need anybody to direct me. I could just back right up. And sometimes it could be frustrating because I would start backing up and one of my boys or my wife or somebody would be back there giving me direction and I'm not paying any attention to them whatsoever. I'm just backing right up because I'm watching and I'm giving, I'm trusting that camera and I'm backing up and they're telling me and they're giving me the hold sign and I'm just still going just the way that I feel like I ought to go. I, I've got a director out there, I've got a flagman out there, but I am completely ignoring it. Now my wife, she gets on me sometimes, she doesn't understand, we, we start to travel and um, we have a GPS, everybody's got GPS, if you've got a smartphone you have GPS, you have GPS in your cars and, and uh, everywhere you go you can just pretty much find out how many feet you are from somewhere if you want. Um, and 
so you can just you know put in an address and it tells you how to go and sometimes I'm traveling somewhere and I have a basic idea of where I'm going or maybe I don't know the detail turn by turn uh, through certain areas but I know roughly where I'm going and um, something I've noticed particularly if I'm coming from the east side of the state over off of 69 coming toward Frankfurt my GPS no matter what I, I cannot understand it the thing is it tries to take me all the way to Indianapolis up 69 across and come all the way back up to Frankfurt well I'm not going to do that although that's what the GPS says that I should do so when I'm coming down 69 I'm automatically looking for State Road 26 or State Road 28 or whatever road is coming across and that's my road of choice and so GPS is saying stay straight and you know that woman's voice is just telling me over and over again drive straight stay straight and I'm turning my t and and my wife will say well if you're not going to do what the GPS says why do you have it on and I said well I know where I'm going I just don't there's a couple of turns that I might miss if I don't leave it on where it reminds me talking to me and she's like you're going to go exactly where you want to go anyway you know your way home what do you have this thing on for so the, the issue is is that that GPS is absolutely worthless unless I follow its direction a flagman is absolutely useless unless you follow their direction God has given several directors in our lives he has placed several things in our life he has positioning systems that he has placed in our lives but they will be absolutely useless unless we submit to those directions that God has put in our life and those directors that God has placed in our life God has placed multiple multiple directors in our life all in an attempt to help us make the best out of our own lives Proverbs says that man chooses his pathway but God directs his footsteps so there's a lot about life that we want to blame on God and people say well I'm gonna pray and ask God and I need God to, to tell me what I need to do and some things in life God is waiting on you to make a decision what you're going to do because it's common sense and then there's some areas of decision that God says I'm going to try to make the best out of your decision so we choose our path God directs our feet so in what we are doing sometimes we choose the direction we're going to go in life and God says now I'm going to try to help them make the best out of that sometimes good decisions sometimes bad decisions out of all of it God is always working everything for our good this is a biblical concept it's not just hype words it's not just things that that sound good but God allows you to make decisions and God tries to help you make the best out of that and how he helps us is what I want to talk about tonight and that's 
the, the way that he positions us or gives directions and directors, he gives us flagmen along the way, he gives us direction. It is, it is God's positioning system at work in our lives. And in order for GPS to work, uh, I'm not sure, I haven't read up lately, I think they have perfected them and now, uh, now we, we actually log on. I know when GPS was first had first come out, uh, that in order for a GPS to function, they had to connect and interact with a minimum of three satellites. So at any given time, uh, they had to be they, there had to be three different satellites, and that's how that the GPS figures your coordinates, knows where you are, the direction you're going, the speed you're traveling, and it is giving direction. Now they have. Uh, updated and upgraded and made them better and they have more satellites in the air and uh, so that Uncle Sam can watch us more closely and so the more the more uh, the more opportunities are there and, and, and our GPS systems now are created I think where they can log on they can connect in and and Bing or whatever they call it read off of multiple uh, satellites at one time and now the accuracy of satellite of, of GPS systems is are there it's just absolutely astounding now where they have GPS that claims that they can they can actually locate something within like three or five feet uh, that, that's some pretty uh, amazing directions that they can get literally that close so GPS literally uh, it, it properly coded would be able to literally walk you not just on the on the property not just to the door of the building but walk you through the door of the building and get you exactly where you need to be it's pretty amazing uh, at at all at, at the way that it works but God God works similarly in our lives in that he has given us multiple uh, multiple ways that God speaks to us and gives directions and directors to our lives and if we will connect with those things our life will stay in balance and the direction and the future of our life will be far greater than we ever dreamed possible now some people may say well I, I've, I've got one or the other I ch I'm choosing the the issue is is that God's plan for directing our lives is is much related to the, the story or the analogy of the global positioning system in that God uses he uses multiple ways to speak to us God works through he works through uh, through all all sorts of checks and balances that God puts in our lives to keep us on course and our future success and perhaps our salvation hinges upon us heeding God's spiritual and biblical directions and directors that he has put in our life. Since nobody can force us to submit, nobody can force us to submit. You understand that. I, I've... You, you can create all the list of rules. You can, I've, I've had people, some of the most carnal people in the world are folks that's come to me, uh, I, I, people that are backslid, long gone. Uh, 
I've had come to me and tell me, oh, pastor, you can't preach it hard enough for me. Well, evidently, they couldn't live up to what I was preaching. So the point that I'm making is, is that it is up to us. We must be willing to submit. Nobody can, nobody can force submission. Submission flows downward. You, nobody can force you to submit. And so you can close off God's plan and his protection in your life. You can shut that off. Just as easy as you can turn a switch off or turn off that global positioning system when you are driving, you can turn God's directors off for your life and become self-governed and self-willed. And the Bible talks about that. A self-governed and self-willed, flesh-driven life, personally motivated life. I don't need anything. I don't need anybody. I don't, I'm, I'm rejecting everything that God has put in place to help me become what he's wanting me to become. That kind of attitude and spirit will always lead to spiritual demise. Can I go further? Everybody that follows that spirit will end up going down the same path. There are four attitudes that will take us to ultimate doom. A rebellious and defiant attitude will always take us. It doesn't matter. I don't care what the Word of God says. I don't care what, I don't care what God's trying to speak, no matter what He tries to do. But a, a rebellious or defiant spirit will always lead us to doom. Every time. A stubborn and resistant spirit. Somebody who, it's not what we know to do, it's just refusing, being stubborn, being resistant. Just, you know, just, just, I'm, I'm just resisting. That, resist, that, that resistance, that resisting stubborn spirit will lead to demise. Don't tell me how God uses you and how gifted you are and how God, don't, don't bring all of that to me. If you are stubborn or rebellious or defiant or resistant, it becomes very clear. The third spirit that God cannot work through and that will lead to our demise is an unteachable spirit. It's a spirit that already I, I already know more than everyone else. I had a man one time came to me. He was leaving the church and he came to me and he said, you can't teach me anything. And I smiled and I said, really? And he said, absolutely not. I've sat under the greatest Bible teachers. I have been taught by the great. And he looks around the room and he puts his hand out and he said, we were in a restaurant. And he said, a stack of books this high covering this entire room couldn't, couldn't handle all of the knowledge that I have been taught. You can't scratch the surface of all of my wisdom. I said, the best thing for you to do is do exactly what you know to do then. An unteachable spirit. It will always lead to our demise. And then a self-willed spirit. This is the fourth spirit that we have to guard against because it will, it will prevent us from being usable. It will prevent us from, from being successful in the, in, the, in, in the work of the Lord, in our journey with the Lord. A self-willed spirit, which is full of flesh, it's fleshly minded. A self-willed spirit 
is something that is driven out of, of human nature, hum, the flesh, self, self, self-will. And so it's what I want, it's the way I see it, it's what I think. And so a self-willed spirit will also be another roadblock that will prevent us from being able to be successful. So a rebellious, a stubborn, an unteachable, or a self-willed spirit. God does not intend for his people to be guided by, by one specific area. There's, I'm, I, tonight I just want to touch on, on three things and hopefully, um, hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll be able to get through this and, and let you out in time uh, so it will still be daylight outside tonight. Uh, I want to take a look at three of these, uh, of these um, positioners that God has placed, these, the way that God, what, what God uses to position our life. First of all, is the Word of God. The Word of God. And the Word of God is all sufficient, but God doesn't only use His Word and His Word alone. And I'm going to get there. I don't want to get the cart ahead of the horse tonight. But the Word of God is given for our benefit. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Everybody say profitable. All Scripture is profitable. All Scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. I want you to say those four things with me. The scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction. So there's four reasons that the scripture itself, 2 Timothy chapter 3, gives us of why God has given us scripture. First of all, it's doctrine to save us, to reprove us. That that is to go back and cause us to take a second look at ourselves and prove our walk with God and reprove, meaning make the make the, the, the changes that's needs. Number three is to correct us. Sometimes we will get out of line. We'll get out of sorts because we're human. In our self-willed nature, our defiant nature, all of those are works of the flesh. All of those works of the flesh can get in the way. And so God gave us the scripture to give correction to us, to tell us, hey, we need to do something different. What I hear usually when I'm driving is, make a U-turn, please make a U-turn, make a U-turn. In, in 1,000 feet, make a U-turn. You passed your road, another 1,000 feet, make a U-turn. I know where I'm going, Annette. <laughs> sure you do. So the Word of God gives us correction. And that is, gives us space to repent. Do you know what repentance is? Repentance follows the point when the Word of God brings reproof to us and calls for correction. And it gives us a, an opportunity to fix the wrong in our lives. That's what repentance is. It's not just godly sorrow, but godly sorrow worketh repentance. And so repentance isn't about face. It's turning around. It's going back. 
It's, it's, it's a, it gives us a fresh start. And so it's correction for us. We are correcting our lives. One has not repented when they keep going down the same path. You can come to the altar, cry your eyes out, make every excuse for why you've chosen to go the direction you're going, get up and keep going the same direction. You didn't repent. Repentance is when you come and say, it's not what I wanted, it's not the way I saw it, but the word of God declares it to me and I must make a correction. And for instruction. And that is the word of God. Every question that you have about your life, your future, your marriage, family, even government, every your finances, every the the question the answer to every question that you will ever find in your journey with the Lord is found in the Word of God. They're found in the Word of God. And so you can find it. Look, it's in there. All in the Word of God. So it's found in the Word of God. All Scripture is profitable. Psalm 119. Thy Word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Notice. Notice that connection. We talked about man choosing his path. God directed his footsteps. David says the Word of God is a lamp to the feet, but it's also a light to the path. So it, it, the Word of God is to illuminate where we are now, but it also should give some vision into where we're going. So the Word of God not only speaks into the hearing now and helps us place our feet in the right direction as God is directing us, But it's also helping us make good decisions about the path we're choosing. Don't get this wrong. When the wise Solomon declared man chooses his path and God directs his footsteps, I believe that even in the worst decisions you make, God tries to make the best out of them. But I'm telling you, if you go through life making unbiblical and bad choices, Although God may make the best out of it for you, you're still not going to end up where you could be if you made godly choices, godly decisions, right right decisions. But the Word of God declares that it is working for us. And so God does not literally take our feet and pick our feet up and say, put it there and put it there. That's how we want God. We want to pray, God, I want your will in my life. When I wake up in the morning, I want there to be handwriting on the wall that tells me this is what my to-do list is for today. Wouldn't it be awesome if God would tell you everything about your life, tell you where you should invest your money, tell you every decision you should make, where you could find the best deals, wouldn't it be wonderful if God, but God leaves choices up to you. He, he, he will not take and force himself upon you. We must not only be a hearer of the word, but we must be a doer also. We must be a doer of the word. So God gives direction out of his word. We can hear direction and get up and go do our own thing and going to church has not done anything for us until we become a doer. 
We're a hearer, but now we must be a doer. There's a lot of people that show up to church and are hearers, but they walk out the doors and are not doers. God is calling us to be a doer. The Word of God itself declares that we are to be a not only a hearer of the Word, but a doer of the Word. Not hearers only, because that, according to James chapter 1, verse number 22, that will lead to you deceiving your own self. All right, let's read it. James chapter 1, verses 22. 21, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Verse 22, James chapter 1 verse 22, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Folks who just show up and say, man, I heard a great sermon. What did you do with it? Did you apply it to your life? Because if you read the Word of God, if you heard the Word of God, and you get up and go your own way, that's a great place to end up in deception. You can end up deceived. The second director that God has placed in our lives, first is the Word. The second that I want to talk about tonight is the ministry. The ministry. And when I speak of ministry tonight, I'm not speaking necessarily of minister, but ministry. And I want to try to help you comprehend my thought process here and what's been going on in my mind the last few days. So, the ministry, the ministry. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, let's pick up about verse number 7 from Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, let's, let's read through about five verses here. And, and I, I want you to get this because we're, this, this is speaking of what I believe the Scripture emphatically is pointing out, the fivefold ministry and the, the why of the fivefold ministry, why we need it, and what it is doing and, and how it works in our lives. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. And, what's this phrase here? And gave gifts. That's plural, right? And gave gifts unto men. He gave gifts unto men. Verse 9, now he that ascended was but he that descended. First into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above the heavens that he might fulfill all things. Verse 11. Now, go back to verse, go back, go back to verse 8. He gave gifts unto men. Now pick up with verse 11. We're continuing with the same subject about he gave gifts unto men. Verse 11. And he gave some, he gave some men apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now, I'm not here tonight to debate whether it's a fourfold ministry or fivefold ministry. I've been taught most of my life it's a fivefold ministry. Some try to connect pastors and teachers together. I'm not, I'm not here to debate all those things tonight. But I want to point out to you 
that the ministry, I'm going to call it the fivefold ministry, that the fivefold ministry is God's gift to the church. It's God's gift to you and I. The fivefold ministry is a gift that God gave to men. So he's given men these gifts for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 12. It continues on. Why he gave the fivefold ministry. One, for the perfecting of the saints. Two, for the work of ministry. Three, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You understand perfecting of saints. That's for us to grow and perfect in our knowledge and life with God. The work of ministry, that could be very broad. That's everything from the establishment of churches to the administration of the church. I believe that is preaching, teaching. It's, it's a very broad. The work of ministry uh, is, is very, very broad. And number three, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The word edify means to build up or to lift up. So to build up. So the, the, the fivefold ministry, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers are given to us to perfect, to do the work, to perfect us, to do the work of ministry, and to edify the entire body, to build up the entire body. So there is a purpose why that God gave that to, gave the fivefold ministry to us. If I could break it down in a very, uh, a very humanistic view of these, I believe that apostles, I believe that the apostles, uh, we know we can study scripture, uh, I believe that there were special extraordinary gifts that were given to the apostles. They were sent out uh, to established churches. They went out into areas. The Lord gave them dominion and authority over regions, over the spirits, the powers, the principalities uh, in those regions. And uh, they went to establish and start churches. People ask, are there modern day apostles? I believe perhaps there are modern day apostles. I just worry when a man calls himself an apostle. Uh, I worry probably as much about that as I do when a man calls himself a prophet. I think a man's gift will make room for itself and one will be able to see. This is more a cultural issue because we think nothing at all about someone calling themselves an evangelist, someone calling themselves a teacher, or someone calling themselves a pastor. Uh, the other two, we seem to put some sort of uh, emotion with it, feeling that people are lofty and lifted up in themselves. I do believe that as much as there are evangelists, pastors, and teachers, that there are apostles, apostles and prophets. And I don't think that we have to go around and tell somebody our gifting will show. Uh, I believe it becomes very clear in working with people. You can be around somebody and know that person is the ultimate evangelist. That person is an incredible pastor. And then there is the same is true with the gifts of prophecy and with the uh, giftings of the apostle. 
I do believe they are gifts given by God. I do believe that God chooses to use them for specific reason and they are to further perfect the saints, to further do the work of ministry and to further edify the body of Christ. The fivefold ministry should always work together. We should be, I've heard it, the, the illustration used as the hand, and it is the apostle, and the prophet, and the evangelist, and the pastor, and the teacher. But we together do, that's how the work is done when we are working together. Not establishing one above another, not saying this gift is higher or greater than another, but the fivefold ministry is important. Yes, the Bible tells us that we should know them that labor among us. That's why that everybody that calls themselves a minister may not be invited to our pulpit or put on our platform because I want to know them that labor among us. And uh, uh, I understand that the fivefold ministry properly operating in the church should not be destructive in its nature, but it should. There will be times that the fivefold ministry is going to perfect the church and the saints. There's times it's going to just simply do the work of ministry. As pastors and teachers, we find ourselves very, very often not living in the limelight. I heard J.T. Pugh say one time he always wanted to be in the ministry so he could be in the limelight. When he got a ministry, he found out it was more lime than light. The truth is, is that pastoral and teaching type ministry is more a consistent uh, ministry that doesn't necessarily see the spotlight, is not necessarily accented, but is absolutely important. Can you imagine trying to see a church function grow uh, without having good solid teaching? Can you imagine seeing a church grow without having a pastoral uh, ministry that is administrating the church and calling the church together? The same is true. How can we have a church without the office and ministry of the evangelist? The evangelist is to reach those whom we are not reaching with our preaching and pastoral ministry. It is very important. It is an important role. Uh, an evangelist, uh, I know we maybe have misconstrued the, the fivefold ministries in some ways and minimized some and maximized some, and everybody wants to be the prophet and nobody wants to be uh, the teacher. Uh, the truth is, is that. As we work together, we must understand that um, the work of an evangelist is not something that somebody does to learn how to preach. That's what we've done to the, to the office of an evangelist. We have, we, somebody's learning to preach. Somebody's young in ministry, and they're growing. What are they doing? Well, they're an evangelist. That's not never been the intent. The work of an evangelist has been that. It is a special gifting to do the work of an evangelist. That's why when we bring an evangelist into our church to minister to us, we should receive them as such, not as a minimalistic ministry, not as an itinerant preacher, but they are coming in as a gift from God. They are a gift from God that is being placed in this pulpit to minister to this church. And they should perfect the saints. They should do the work of ministry. And they should edify the body of Christ. 
And so in the work of the church, and, and we're all about establishing churches and growing churches, and we're all about planting churches, and this is part of our mission. Uh, we're doing everything within our, our power. Uh, the Rock is doing incredible. Lebanon is doing incredible. We're thankful. Many people here are helping to establish. And I'm going to tell you, in order to establish a church, particularly in these days, we better have some gifting and anointing of an apostle that can go into regions and territories and areas and take dominion over the spirits and the powers and the principalities in those regions. And that only comes through the Lord. And so these are giftings. These are, these are uh, some very important uh, areas. The work of the prophet. A prophet is not a fortune teller. Never, ever, ever put a prophet in line with a fortune teller and say, well, let's see what the prophet is going to speak. And we're going to see if it comes to pass and that's how we're going to judge the giftings of, of the prophet. The truth is, if you go back to Old Testament to see what it was that the prophets did, there were times that God spoke directly to the prophet and they came as the oracle of God. They came as the mouthpiece of God and spoke specific words to the people and declared to them. There were times that the prophet of God would say, by this time tomorrow, a donkey's head is going to be sold and, and uh, there's going to be famine in the land and, and uh, this nation is going to fall. And then there, there, there were times when God worked through the prophet, but those were, those were uh, more the rarity than the norm. But the norm of the work of the prophet, the prophet went to uh, the synagogue and would go and take the word of God and would read the word of God to the people and then would expound upon the word of God or explain or make plain the word of God. In other words, they were a textual preacher. Did that disappoint you? The prophet was not one that came in always fortune telling and always predicting something that was going to happen. That was one of the roles that the prophet did. But the prophet came in and showed the hidden things of the word of God and would speak them with power and make them palatable and understandable to the people regardless whether you were prophet, uh, evangelist, pastor, teacher, or apostle. Regardless. It is a five-fold ministry that must be woven together to perfect the saints, to do the work of ministry, and to edify the body of Christ. God has given us the five-fold ministry. If we come and we say, well, you know, I'm going to show up because the pastor's preaching tonight and uh, the pastor's teaching tonight, but I'm not going to respond when an evangelist preaches. I'll stay home if it's an evangelist. You are minimizing what God has sent to perfect and to enhance and to grow the church and maybe to correct. So this is very important that we receive the five-fold ministry and understand that it is ways that God is helping establish our path 
and our future so that we become more productive in the kingdom of God, greater soul winners, better people, better Christians. And this is, we, so we must never reject it because of the person. God did not say that I gave specific men to the church. He said, I gave gifts to men. I gave gifts to men. So we must understand that the ministry, yes, we're flesh and blood. But the role and the job and the calling that God has placed upon the five-fold ministry is to do good for every one of us. So we must never tune it out because I don't care for teaching but I love Sunday preaching. I, I, don't, I don't care for prophetic words. I, I prefer uh, more structured. You're missing the point. The point is, is that in order for us to prosper in the ways of God, we need to receive the fivefold ministry so we can get a grasp on what God is wanting to do in our lives and in the future. And then finally, and I'll close with this. God gave us His Spirit, the Holy Ghost, as a director. It is, the Holy Ghost is, it, the, the purpose of the Holy Ghost is to do more than to make you get cold chills up and down your spine. The Holy Ghost is to do more that make you want to get up and dance or run the aisles or jump up and down or get the warm and fuzzies, whatever it is you do, the finger dance, whatever. The Holy Ghost is for more than that. The Holy Ghost is, a, is, one, of the, is one of the chief directors in our life. The Holy Ghost, first of all, the Holy Ghost is a teacher itself. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, which also we speak not in, with words which may, with, of man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. That's why there's a good reason to need the Holy Ghost. Someone who doesn't have the Holy Ghost, they don't need to come talk to me about direction. Because they can't, somebody that's not full of the Holy Ghost, they have no, when the operation of the Spirit is, is taking place, they are lost. They are lost. They don't have a clue. Don't ever, if a, if, a new, if a new convert or a new person is here, somebody new is, comes around the church and we're having, we're having a great service and there's a big operation of the Spirit and moving to the Spirit, try to help connect them and help them understand because if they have not been filled with the Spirit, they have no common ground to even start understanding what's going on. To them, it's foolishness. It's loud noise, it's loud music, it's beating drums, it's just the differences. The Holy Ghost will speak to you. Let me talk, can I talk to you a little bit about what happened Sunday night here? 
Now, I know probably everybody thought that we got together and planned Sunday night, but Sister Cheryl and, 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 and Brother Gentry could both, uh, we, we, we know because we, we work together. The Lord spoke to me Sunday afternoon at home. I mentioned that when I led prayer, and the prayer was specifically related to emotional, emotional mental, and spiritual well-being. And the Lord laid that on me. I never called. I didn't even call Sister Cheryl. I didn't say anything. I just let that ride. And the Lord had put it in my spirit. And the only thing I said was, I, need, I want to do prayer. And so Brother Danny put me on schedule to do prayer because I asked, I want to do prayer. And uh, I, I, I'm going I'm to do prayer. And I knew what I, I knew what the only person that knew anything about what I was going to do was my wife. And I talked to my wife about it. When I got to church, I mentioned to Spencer, I said, make sure that I'm on schedule. I, I believe it was Spencer I mentioned it to me. I said, make sure that I'm on schedule. And, uh, and uh, so no, nobody knew. The songs Sunday night, the entire song list, if anybody paid attention to what happened Sunday night, the entire, I see heads nodding because some of you paid attention to what went on. The entire song list on Sunday night, every one of them, was about not being alone, about God being with us, about us not about our victory being because of the Lord, and it was it was a strong, it was a very strong spiritual and emotional, uplifting, strengthening songs. The whole song list for the night went right along with what I had prepared. Gentry had no idea what the song list was or what the Lord had spoken to me, and he gets up and begins to preach right down the pike exactly what had taken place the whole time. Now, for me personally, and I know several of you, and I've heard, and had, I've, all week I have had so many people that have commented about the different aspects of that service. Uh, from the very beginning of that service, there was such a strong, deep, undertow of the spirit that was ministering deep to needs. There were people that called and said, Pastor, it's been weeks and months and and, and the Lord touched me during the worship service and then your prayer and what it meant to me and what it did for me and then the message and then the altar call and this week I feel that I'm walking in a new level of victory. Thank God for that. My point is, is that we, could, we didn't orchestrate it, but we couldn't have orchestrated it because that's what the Holy Ghost can do. The Holy Ghost can inspire the pastor and the worship leader and the preacher and put it all together and say, I'm sending my word because I'm coming to heal some situations, coming to minister to some things. So the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will do, but now... For some who are not tuned in, for some who have no clue, they may be able to come and sit through a service like that and say, I don't know what all the emotionalism was about. I don't know what the weeping was about. I don't know what that prayer was about that pastor prayed. I don't know what that sermon was about. And just, that's because the Holy Ghost is not at work in their life. Don't get frustrated with them. Don't get upset at them. Give them some space and get them full of the Holy Ghost. Because when the Holy Ghost is at work, you are sensitive to the things of the Spirit. That's why it's important for the church to stay prayed up and be sensitive to the move of the Spirit. 
Pastor ought to not have to get up. Brother Danny ought to not have to get up every service and say, come on, let's do that. Come on, let's do this. Because the deal is, is we're trying to find that flow of the Spirit wherever it is. It may be in the still, small voice. It may be in a weep. It may be in the dance. It may be in the aisle running. It may be in the fast song, the slow. doesn't matter. All I want is to get in the flow of the Holy Ghost with what God is wanting to do. And let's stay in that vein of the Spirit and let God do what He's wanting to do. And He will because that's what the Holy Ghost does. Because it's a director. It is a director in our life. So the Holy Ghost is a teacher. But the carnal man cannot understand it. Because only those who are spiritually minded can comprehend it. The Holy Ghost is a restraint. It will not prevent someone from sinning. But the Holy Ghost will work through our conscience and remind us of the error of sin. That's why when the Holy Ghost is working in your life, it will send a word to you. It will remind you, you ought to not say that. You ought to not act that way. The Holy Ghost will remind you, you ought to apologize for the way you acted. You ought to stop talking like that. You ought to quit. That's what the Holy Ghost will do. Now, if we tune it out, if we, we can, that's fine. You can just tune it out and go right on your way. You may as well just click off the GPS and just keep on. The bridge may be out in front of you. But you just keep right on and you're going to find out that you're going to end in destruction. But if you'll let the Holy Ghost work through you, it will send a warning to you. You ought to stay away from that. You ought to not speak like that. You ought, that's what you ought to do. Yes, you should worship. Yes, you should respond. Yes, that's what the Holy Ghost does. It directs us, but it doesn't force us. Because the human will comes into place. Will we surrender the human will. The Holy Ghost also is a comforter, meaning that it will remind us of the ways of Christ. It will comfort us when we feel like, man, I don't know if this is even worth it. The Holy Ghost will say, yes, it's worth it. You keep on. The Holy Ghost is a comforter, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, John chapter 14, verse 26, when, when the, that the Father will send in my name, he shall teach thee all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. Finally, in closing, the Holy Ghost also is a, motiva- is a motivator. I like to say motivator. The Holy Ghost is a motivator. John chapter 16, verse 3. When the Spirit of truth is come, He will guide you in all truth. Never fear. When somebody's hungry and God fills them with the Holy Ghost, if they will seek the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of truth, will direct them and lead them and guide them and take them everywhere they need to go. Now, if you choose to, to say no to what God's wanting to do, God is never going to come to you and force himself on you and say, no, absolutely not. I'm going to smite you and strike you. Somebody asked the other day, do you believe that the judgment of God is today or is he withholding judgment? I do believe that God withholds judgment and gives grace and mercy freely. I do think that God is God and if he chooses to cast judgment upon us for something, he's God and I'm not going to question what God's able to do, but I know for the most part God does not judge us the way that we deserve to be judged. But he deals with us through grace and mercy and he is withholding judgment unto that until that day if I understand the scripture right. So judgment's going to come that day. In other words, when we stand before him, that judgment's going to come. But I will tell you that the fruits of serving God and being submitted to God and being submitted to his directors and not being uh, aloof and not being uh, 
difficult and saying yes to what God is wanting to do, if you'll allow his word, if you'll allow the fivefold ministry, if you'll allow the spirit of God, your life, if you will take your directions from those areas, your life will flourish and grow and you will do more and be more than you ever believed possible. But God will not force you to. He will leave it up to you to say yes or to be self-willed. I don't know about you, but I want to be in the center of God's will. I want to do what God's called us to do. Would you stand tonight and let's just join together in prayer as we close tonight and ask God. Here's what I want us to pray. God, I want you to make me more open and mindful of the way that you direct my life. Would you pray like that right now? Lord, I've come tonight with your word as a reminder to your people. And God, I'm praying tonight that as this reminder comes, I pray, Lord, that we are more attentive to, to your nudge, God, to your word, to, your, to, your, your, to the ministry, to the work of ministry, God, to the way that you are wanting to work in our lives, God, that we would be accountable to you and hold ourselves accountable to you, Lord, and not casting judgment and blaming all wrongdoings on being the will of God, but coming to you and saying, Lord, I want your word to direct my life. I want your spirit to have authority in my life. I want the ministry to help develop and grow my life. I pray for every person in the room tonight. Be with us, Lord. God, and direct us. Lead us in the path of some.